Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events behind the scenes footage and so much more plus you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon it's in you please be in it visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now that's podcast with an s thanks from kqed From KQD in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. We are in the presence of greatness. Oh, work! Miss Thing? Miss Thing with the reveal? Oh, they're giving us story! They're giving us narrative! Yes, that's right. Billy Porter, the Billy Porter, is with us this morning ahead of shows in San Jose tonight and San Francisco tomorrow. Porter is, of course, an Emmy winner, a Grammy winner, and a Tony winner, but the accolades don't capture the way he's become an icon of a masculinity that has cast off the restrictions and made new space for all of us to live in. Billy Porter's coming up next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Billy Porter is a star of stage and screen, a fashion icon, a memoirist. But his first dream was to be the male Whitney Houston. (laughs) And he is returning to those musical roots with new music. We are going to listen to some of that music through time. We got songs, Baby Was a Dancer. That's the new song. That's the new one, yep. Yeah, yeah. And he's bringing the music to the people with his Black Mona Lisa tour, which arrives in the Bay today. He appears tonight in San Jose, tomorrow at San Francisco's Golden Gate Theater. Billy Porter, I can't believe you're actually here. (laughs) I'm so happy about it. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Be happy to be in person again. Yeah. So your tour is called Black Mona Lisa. And, you know, painting's famous for its secretive smile and, like, what she's not telling. I feel like you're going to lay it all out there, though. So tell me about this name. Why Black Mona Lisa? Well, I was working with Justin Tranter, you know, one of the greatest pop music, one of the greatest music, you know, songwriters of our time and any time. I just love him so much. And, um, you know, I call his space... I call him the queer Barry Gordy because he has a, you know, because he has a house with three studios going at the same time and three different teams. And we're hopping from room to room and getting ideas and writing ideas. And I was so blessed to be to be brought into this space, you know, at my age. You know, I'm 53 years old. This is like real pop stuff that is generally, you know, for younger people. And what I love about Justin is that we're close in age and we're also, you know, as being queer in the mainstream music industry, we've also gone through a lot of the same things. Mm. And so to be in alignment with somebody who has the same sort of trauma Mm. from the homophobic Mm -hmm. part of this industry 
we really latched into um, how to write music for me, how to express mm. myself from that space mm. for, for both of us. And so, you know, Black Mona Lisa, like we would sit in a room it's all, you know, it's like three, four, five people. Like it's a, you know, and it's it's such a creative space and thrown yeah. out. And I can't actually remember where Black Mona Lisa came from. But like, I'm just going to say it <laughs> fell out of the sky and the whole room paused and it was silent for like 10 seconds. And we were like, Black Mona Lisa? <laughs> you know, like it was like we are right now, right now, and like twenty minutes later, we had written what I think is one of, you know, my greatest songwriting accomplishments. And what I love about it is, for me, black, you know, Mo the Mona Lisa is classic, mm -hmm. right? She's relevant, past, present, future, forever, mm -hmm. and. That's what I am, and that's what I represent, and that's what I, you know, want to be. That's the legacy that I want to leave when I'm yeah. when I'm done here. I know that was a long answer. No, to no, no. Really short. I, should we play the song though? Should sure. Hear this? Yeah. Let's play. Uh, Baby was a dancer. Yes. We have been listening to Baby Was a Dancer by Billy Porter, the Billy Porter. So you're making this song. Do you just start singing hooks? Is that like, is that how you work in the songwriting context? Well, it depends. You know, it's like the, tr the, the it, it, it comes in many different stages. The idea comes or the track comes, you know, first and then the idea comes or the idea comes, mm -hmm. then the track comes. You know, melodies happen. You know, I worked with a, with a songwriter, um, and the late, great Andrea Martin. And, you know, she'd just get into the studio. I learned so much from her before she passed, but I'd get in the studio. She would get in the studio and just start singing over, over the track. Just, ah, you know, just making ideas. And she'd say, I like that idea. Stop, you know, and it yeah. just, you know, the creative process of songwriting um, particularly in this space, is free. Hmm. You know, the freedom of uh, just jumping off of the ledge and allowing whatever the spirit brings hmm. into the room to just rain down on you, you know, that is really magical as far as songwriting is, is concerned, because I come from many different spaces, you know, and when you think about, like, my theater space and I think about, like, a, a, a Rodgers and Hammerstein or a Stephen Sondheim, who, you know, I knew and was friends with, or the younger, you know, the Jason Robert Browns of the world or the Pasics and Pauls or the, you know, that kind of songwriting is different, mm -hmm. you know, because... 
those are people I find a lot of times who actually play for themselves, Mm -hmm. who actually, I don't play anything, you know, but I don't play any instruments, but I am extremely musical. Right. And so when I can get into a space where my ideas can be thrown into a, a mix and then swirled around with other ideas. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm so proud of this music. I'm so proud of this album. So you mentioned, you know, in the 90s, you know, you did start out making some R&B music, mm-hmm. basically having to, like, pretend that you're just some hetero dude who was singing R&B. Mm-hmm. Just being able to do this music as you, this person who's, you know, at the top of the mountain now, has that been healing for that like younger Billy Porter self? Yeah, it is very healing. And if I'm being truthfully honest, it's also challenging to navigate because the industry hasn't actually changed that much. Mm. And it's actually, there's a lot of the same BS which can be triggering. Hmm. You know, that time was very, very traumatizing for me um, because my humanity was under attack, you know, as it is in many different spaces. And, you know, the challenge is now at my age, in retrospect... How can I, with the work that I've done on myself emotionally and spiritually, respond to these triggers and not react to these triggers? That has been a real lesson and a journey and like a a practice. You know, it's a spiritual practice, actually, that I am employing every day because the important part is that my music gets out to the masses because my music is my calling and my purpose. Dare I say my ministry? Like, I get it. It's important for me to be back in this space, fronting a band, on a stage, as Billy Porter. Mm -hmm. Not Pray Tell, Mm -hmm. not Lola, not Goo Goo from, it's not a character, it's Billy. And that, I haven't really been able to do that on this level with the wind at my back like Mm -hmm. this. In a mainstream space ever. And that has been magical. And you called it your ministry. What do you think people seeing and listening to Billy Porter running a band at this moment? Like what is what do you think it's doing for them? I don't know what it's doing for them. I don't know that part. But what I know is that my intention is healing. We've all been through and inside of a collective trauma Hmm. that we're still in the middle of. 
and I'm not okay, you're not okay, none of us are okay. None of us are okay. And that's okay. And if there's one thing that I've learned through this sort of complex COVID whatever is, you know, I sat still for the first time. The world stopped. So I had to stop running. I had to sit inside of the pain, sit inside of the traumas of my life, as opposed to being able to run from them and, you know, throw myself in my work and mm-hmm. never stop. And, you know, like I, I, I learned so much mm-hmm. through COVID about that part. And that is what I'm, I'm trying to bring. You know, it's okay to be still. It's okay to not have the answers. You know, my intention with this concert is to give the world a big bear hug <laughs> and go, is we, we can do all of the things that we need to do together. Yeah. We have one uh, listener who's already written in saying, Rebecca writes, feeling down, feeling like life is unfair, watch or listen to just one interview with Billy Porter and you will go out and get stuff done. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're talking to Billy Porter. He's on his Black Mona Lisa tour, appears tonight at the San Jose Center for Performing Arts, and tomorrow at San Francisco's Golden Gate Theater. We want to hear from you. I mean, let's be real. This is your chance to talk to Billy Porter on the phone. What has Billy Porter meant to you? What moments of Billy Porter's career stand out for you? Or what would you like to share with Billy Porter? You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Email comments or questions to forum at kqed.org. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or KQED Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. More with Billy Porter right after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking with the Billy Porter. He's in town for the Black Mona Lisa tour, appears tonight at the San Jose Center for Performing Arts, and tomorrow at San Francisco's Golden Gate Theater. We're going to take some of your calls during the hour. But what Billy Porter has meant to you, you know the number. It's 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Billy, I have to say, it's very stressful getting dressed 
to come <laughs> interview Billy Porter. It's I just, so stupid. <laughs> what do you? I what? make no judgments on anybody else. <laughs> That is crazy. No, I just wanted you to like it. I wanted you to like you that was it. That fabulous. was it. I just wanted you to like it. Um, what, what tell me about tell me about your outfit today cuz it is awesome. Yeah. Like just how would you jumpsuit. describe it? It's, it's a, a jumpsuit. It's a Yoji Yamamoto jumpsuit. She's hot, you know. <laughs> she's a high fashion designer jumpsuit. Yes. But it's just a jumpsuit. I wear it almost every day. I have some version of this in the winter. And then I do a caftan situation during the summer <laughs> because fashion has become my life. So I can't think about it in my daily life now. It's yeah. like there's a uniform for the seasons. Yes. I have about three or four pieces. You know, the caftan thing is a summer like flowy. Yeah. You know, she, catch the wind. She catches the wind. <laughs> you know, she always looks fashionable because who wears printed caftans all the time? Billy Porter. <laughs> <laughs> you can see me coming down the street. <laughs> yes. Um, let's, you know what? Let's go right to the phones. I'm going to ask you more about fashion in a second. But okay. Let's, let's, let's bring in Karen for a second here. Karen in San Jose, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, I just wanted to share, uh, I, I personally grew up in a home with a lot of uh, conservative religious trauma uh, or that I have from that home. And um, I just think it's so beautiful, Billy, what you're doing and that the work that you're doing is incredibly healing uh, mm. for those of us who get to observe mm. and enjoy it. I love that you use the word ministry to describe uh, what you're doing. And I know that's just maybe one comment, but that feels so profound and it feels so true. I think there's so many uh, young and, and like millennial people exploring their queerness or their gender identity. And it's so beautiful and empowering to see somebody like you in the spotlight, like you said, with the wind behind your back. And I just, I, I'm really thankful for that. So thank I just you. wanted to say uh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that. You know, um, I've heard you talk a little bit about your mother, Mm -hmm. who was obviously, you know, you came up in Pentecostal church. Mm -hmm. And what I've heard you say about it is so interesting that, like, she kind of was able to throw off that dogma and come through it to stand by your side. But what mm -hmm. was that process like? Well, first of all, it wasn't quick. It was about 15 to 17 years, you know, where there was a gap in communication I love my mother, and she loves me with her whole heart, and I know that. And the issue for me is that, and I talk about this in my concert, religion is man-made. Spirituality is divine. Let me say that again. Religion is man-made. Religion was man-made for the power structure. Spirituality is individual and divine. And with that, there was, my mother was told to reject me by her church. Religion has been weaponized for the power structure. She was told to reject me. My mother is disabled. She's been disabled her whole life. Medical malpractice. My mother like many black people who have been influenced by 
the European uh, colonizers whose religion was put on us to silence us and to keep us in bondage, right? So what I find interesting is that that's the last thing that we hold on to from the colonizers. So we want to abandon everything else, but we're keeping that religion and we're forgetting where we come from. My mother was able to, through a series of, through many years in a series of like, just things and situations that happened to get to the other side of going, oh, wait a minute. God is love and love is God and my child is my child and I'm choosing him. And God will get over it. If it's a problem at all. You know, like me and my sister have made my mother begin to restructure in her brain what those dogmas are and why they're there. And actually question, right? We're not allowed to question. You go into religion and you're not allowed to question. I remember when I was 10 years old, I talk about this in my book. And 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 we were in Sunday school and and, and they said, so, so God um, loves you and he knows what you're going to do before you're going to do it. And, you know, he only wants the best for you and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, if he knows what we're going to do before we're going to do it, then what? Then why would he create somebody? who he knows is not going to choose him so that he can then just send that person to a burning hell for all eternity. That doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. And the answer was, well, God is sovereign and he can do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. That's not an answer. <laughs> That's not an answer. Yeah. That's not an acceptable answer. And I would rather people say, I don't know than to try to create an answer. And that's my issue. We don't know. We don't know. You don't know. I don't know. Like, you know, and to question that stuff is scary because then you have to question everything. I question heaven. I question hell. I question that. I don't know if I believe in that. I was taught that. Mm -hmm. That's just what you're taught. So that's just what you believe because that's what you're taught from the time you can comprehend thought. You know, I don't believe in that. I don't know. I don't know. And it's okay to say, I don't know, which is where the religion and spirituality, I think, clash, you know, because the people who control religion want to act like they know. They don't. They don't know any more than we do. You don't know what happens when we die. Nobody One thing knows. we definitely don't know. Nobody knows. And if I'm being honest, I want the shit, I'm sorry. I want the stuff to be over. <laughs> sorry, bleep that. Bleep that out. <laughs> Working on it. I think we caught it we in the booth. Seven, we we caught have it in a the seven booth. second delay, right? <laughs> they, yes. I work blue. Sorry. They, Sometimes they, it's the morning. <laughs> Uh, Reverend Jeffrey Spencer tweets in to say, for the record, not that you need it, Billy, this Christian minister completely affirms you calling, offering the world your music and your being a personal ministry. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Chris writes in to say, dear Billy, as a fellow queer person of color, I just want to say that you are a total inspiration. You teach all of us how to be our authentic selves in a world that isn't ready for us yet. Thank you for shining your light so bright so that others may find a little bit of light in themselves, too. Thank you. 
You know, um, I heard an interview with you where you were talking about how the the opposite of shame wasn't like shamelessness. It was truth mm. or authenticity. Mm-hmm. And I just, I thought that was an extremely profound thought that those two things would be um, kind of opposed to each other. Can you talk a little bit about how, how you see that or how you came to that? Yeah, I... I spent a lot of time in my 20s and 30s being ashamed of my existence. You know, being told um, that my queerness would be my liability. And it was. You know, for decades it was. And... I was drowning. I was really drowning um, emotionally, spiritually. And I knew that the one thing, the one thing I always had and have has been my art. And I've been able to express myself through my art. And what I found was there were several things that happened, but what I what I experienced was particularly since we're talking about music, you know, when my first R&B record deal imploded in the late 90s, early 2000s, I was able to look at it at a distance and understand that I had failed as somebody else. Hmm. And I didn't like that. I didn't like that feeling. I was like, everything I did was a compromise. Every decision I made that first time out musically was a compromise and a deal with the devil. Well, if I do this, then I will be accepted and received and then be able to be famous and sell millions of, you know, it was a, Mm -hmm. and when it didn't happen, when I did everything that I was supposed to do, and it didn't happen. I shifted my intention to service. I was watching Oprah. And she had Ayan Levan Sant on and Maya Angelou, and they were talking about service. And essentially, they said, when you sh- shift your intention to service, everything else will work itself out. And I literally stood in front of a mirror and said, how can I be of service? Mm-hmm. In a world in an industry and a world, quite frankly, that's inherently narcissistic. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. It's your queerness. It's that very thing Mm -hmm. that everybody's telling you Mm -hmm. is your liability. You have to tell the truth. You have to be authentic and release Mm -hmm. all of that shame. I didn't know it was gonna release shame at the time. I just understood that I'm not gonna fail as somebody else ever again. If it's going to fail, I'm going to fail as myself. If failing is even a thing. Mm -hmm. Because I believe that we learn the most inside of what we perceive as failure. Mm -hmm. We learn the most from our failures. I really believe that. And I did. And so I was able to course correct in my early 30s and go, service 
and authenticity, mm. no matter what, wherever the chips may fall mm. is okay. And inside of that, it cracked open all these other creative spaces that I was then able to mm. step into. I went to screenwriting school at UCLA. I started mm. directing. I started writing. I started, mm. I had no idea that I could and should do any of those things, mm. right? Because I'm 53 years old. I was, you know, I'm the last of a generation of artists that were taught to be brilliant interpreters of other people's material. I went to drama school at Carnegie Mellon mm -hmm. and learned the classics. And I say classics in quotes because <laughs> now all these years, classics for who? Mm. Classics for whom? I learned a lot of white people stuff. From Shakespeare to Chekhov to Moliere to... Okay. But what are the classics for me as a black man from America? What are the classics? And it's not just August Wilson. And at the time, it was only... August Wilson, who's actually from Pittsburgh and like, you know, and amazing. But like, it wasn't until I was in my 30s, 40s, the internet has come up. Now we have the internet and social media and we have a whole generation who understands that their stories are the most important to tell. I am mesmerized by this younger generation who are so empowered for better or for worse and for worse because everybody ain't able. Let me just say that. <laughs> everybody ain't able. However, I love that everybody can try. Like, I just love that and it has cracked open uh, 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 it has enhanced my journey creatively in ways that I never could have imagined. I was sitting around waiting for folks to do something for me. Mm. And now I do it for myself. Yeah. Let's talk about one of those moments, 2019 Oscars. I mean, this is a milestone mm. in the creation of the icon mm -hmm. of, of Billy Porter, right? Mm -hmm. You wear this incredible tuxedo on top, ball gown, on the bottom, and it becomes one of the most iconic uh, images, silhouettes, photos, you know, all of fashion. Mm -hmm. um, talk to me a little bit about how that came together. I grew up in the church, Sunday best, right? So the church is a fashion show. My favorite time of year was Easter and Christmas because I would always get a new suit for Easter and Christmas. When I grew up and moved to New York City, for the first 15 years of my life, I would buy myself two high-end suits a year. I still have them in the basement, in storage, in a closet. Fashion has always been a part of my expression. I've gone through many phases. And when I got in, you know, when I got to Broadway, you know, opening nights, things, you know, I, I just try stuff. Um, I knew that fashion was going to be a component in how I expressed myself when I got the opportunity to be on the red carpets. I didn't know that I would be playing with the degendering of fashion. I didn't know. 
I had done Kinky Boots. I had played a drag queen. I had dedicated myself to being geek chic every day, coming out of the stage door. As a result of dressing up every day, because Aunt Dorothy said, my great Aunt Dorothy said, dress for the job you want, not the one you have, being first generation post-civil rights movement. It, the first impression of what you look like is what the white people are going to be judging you on. So look good always, right? So that's where I just, it, I was always going to look good. Um, I was going out on tour, you know, not a not like a rock and roll tour like this, but I was going out on a on another kind of like uh, a tour. It was like a I don't want to say cabaret tour, but like you know, performing smaller performing arts venues. And mm -hmm. I uh, was looking for a look, and I just happened to stumble into designer Rick Owens. He's like a you know I don't want to say grungy, but like a like a rock and roll, like non-binary, you know. Mm -hmm. And it was a new season and the, and, the, and the woman at the store was like, well, you know, all of this is gender neutral. And there were dresses and there were, you know, uh, just a lot, a lot of stuff. And I, I was so inspired and it, it never occurred to me, even having played a drag queen, that I could actually... Put like, that on. Put that on and wear a dress in public as me. Not a drag queen. I'm not trying to be a drag queen in my life. No shade. Not you know. Mm -hmm. I love the art form, but I was like that. I, you know, and so I did that, and then it sort of grew, and when it when pose happened, and then I started hitting the red carpets. I started playing, and then somebody asked me to come to the Oscars, and I was like, to to host the ABC red carpet, and I was like. What am I going to wear? We have to take a yeah quick break, break and, then, and then I'll that's finish. That's an excellent cliffhanger on yes. the Oscar story. I hear the music. We're talking up. to Billy Porter. You may have seen him as Pray Tell in the FX series Pose or on Broadway. Now you can see him in person. He's on his Black Mona Lisa tour. Appears tonight at the San Jose Center for Performing Arts and tomorrow at San Francisco's Golden Gate Theater. We'll be back with more right after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Just so you know, Mama knows it best. I lived a whole lot of life. I ain't new to this. 
We are talking with and listening to Billy Porter. That's his song, Children. He's on his Black Mona Lisa tour, appears tonight at the San Jose Center for Performing Arts, tomorrow at San Francisco's Golden Gate Theater. Take some of your calls. What has Billy Porter meant to you? Or what would you like to share with Billy Porter? The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. The email is forum at kqed.org. You can find us Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're KQED Forum. One listener writes in to say, what I love is that every time someone mentions Billy Porter, they always say, the Billy Porter. <laughs> <laughs> That's my website, too. Yeah. T-H-E-E. Double E. I want you to say it right. <laughs> Billy Porter, darling. I love it so much. Um, this this moment, though, you were just bringing us to, we were about to set foot with you in this story on the Oscar yes. red carpet. Yes, yes, yes. As you would yes. put together this look. One question I have is, as you're getting ready to step out onto this red carpet, this amazing tuxedo gown, like, what did you think was at risk for you? Like, did Everything. You think, yeah. Everything. And let me just be clear, right? The idea came when I was at the Christian Siriano show. I, when I was in drama school, I literally, like words have power. I literally off the cuff was like, I'm wearing a gown to the Oscars. These little penguin suits, I'm not doing that. Like I was playing. I was playing. And then all these years later, it, I was reminded at the Christian Siriano show, I Told him about it. We had nine days. He did that, right? So here's what I'm going to say about it. I risked everything to do that that day. I risked everything. I could have lost everything that I had built up until that point. Showing up as a black queer man and an antebellum Oscar gown. I could, that could have gone horribly wrong. So, yeah. I own it. I did it. I'm the one who changed the face of fashion forever, and I'm going to say it out loud. And I'm not going to let anybody take that distinction from me because true to American form, sorry, but true to American form, that distinction is trying, people are trying to take that distinction and that title away from me and give it to somebody else and give it to other people. I'm not going to allow that to happen. Call me whatever you want to call me. I'm not going to let it happen. I sacrificed everything. That's the conversation. And as a black person in this world, systemically, our contributions to culture and society are stolen from us all the time. No. The answer is no. It was me. Period. You're all welcome, Met Gala boys, with your trains. <laughs> and you're, you're all welcome. No shade. Bad bunnies open back. Welcome. <laughs> And you know, I'll tell you even I'll tell you bad my bad bunnies open back and everything. And he looked amazing. He looked amazing, but you're welcome, y'all. I mean, I <laughs> And think I'm not saying I'm, and, and 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 let me make a distinction too. I'm not saying that I'm the first and the only who has done this. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is in this moment today for this generation 
it's me. That's, That's it. I mean, and I stand on the shoulders of people who did it before me. So please keep your miss me with your comments about <laughs> David Bowie and I'm miss me with it. I know. I know. So I just want to say to just some of the impacts of of that decision, taking on that risk and doing that thing. You know, my oldest kid was just emerging as a beautiful, multifaceted, gender expansive mm-hmm. kid. I love that, that gender moment. expansive. You know, they they were just, you know, coming into their full non-binariness. And I remember there were just you couldn't show a kid a picture of like this here's some versions of what masculinity and femininity could look like in these other combinations. And I remember that photo came out and I showed that photo to them and they were just like mind blown. Mm. Like this this person in this looking beautiful, looking handsome, <laughs> looking you know, looking all these things all together, this perfect metaphor for the kind of precise kind of identity that was really developing for them. And you know it's amazing for the show yesterday, show them the photo again and they're like i remember that they were like four <laughs> years old you know what i mean they remembered the look they were like billy port they remembered the whole thing so uh, i just you know i know that i'm not the only parent out there who uh, who feels thankful and grateful for that space that you you know expanded for everyone thank you thank you i appreciate that you know. and that's the intention you know i'm very intentional with my choices <laughs> I don't make any choice that I don't mean. None of it is random. You know, I I have been curious because I do feel like you gave you gave that to all of us. Right. I have worried a little bit in that sort of like protect Billy Porter way. Like, how do you when you become an icon like that? Like, how do you protect, you know, kind of the eye of you and not Mm. the icon? You know, you are hitting on something very profound right now because my memoir is called Unprotected. And this space is really new for me. And while I always dreamed of being in this space, you can't really understand what it means to be in this space until you're in it. And if you've never lived in this sort of like fame, celebrity, icon space, it's a difficult conversation to have. Mm -hmm. I don't know is the short answer. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure that out, literally right now Mm. like on this tour even how do i how do i you know ryan murphy said something to me very profound right before pose came out he said you're i've watched he said i've watched it he's like you will be an icon you will be famous you will be a celebrity but the difference with you is that You're going to be the kind of celebrity that changes people's lives and they are going to come to you and they're going to want to tell you and speak to you. And like, and it's a lot to take on. 
you know, other people's trauma, they, they're going to want to share how they didn't commit suicide because of you or blah, or any, you know, any number of things. And you're going to have to figure out how to receive it and protect yourself at the same, protect your, mm-hmm. your uh, space at the same time. And he's been right. And I've been, you know, and I've been working on like, what is that balance? You know, how can I stand and be present for someone in a moment and make sure that I'm protecting my own space so that I can go and do this concert? <laughs> you know, so that I can go and walk through my life, too. Right. So it's I, I, I'm 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 figuring it out. Yeah. Alexis, I'm <laughs> figuring it out. You know, uh, yoga. Uh, meditation. You know, I think I'm, you know, I bought a Buddhist Buddhism book. <laughs> so on the bus, on the rock and roll bus, I'm going to start my my Nam Yoho Range Kyo journey. You know, who knows? I'm I'm looking for it. Anybody have any suggestions? Um, let a brother know. <laughs> <laughs> Some other uh, listener comments coming in. One, I am a singer and now a full-time choir director because I believe that music ministry is the key to opening hearts and minds. Yes. Your interview and all that is you has been intensely inspiring for me this morning. Question it all. Music is key. Service is key. Love is the answer. Thank you for showing people what us 70s babies are all about. Oh, <laughs> thank you for thinking I'm a 70s baby. <laughs> the, uh, gl- I'm a 60s baby, darling. <laughs> Just l- the tail end, but I am a 60s baby. The uh, an- Another um, uh, church writes, and the Glide Ensemble writes, the Glide Ensemble is ready to sing with you. We love your work and your ministry of inclusion. Stop on by at Glide Memorial Church. Cheryl writes in to say, Pure joy and best outfit ever on the coach float at Macy's Thanksgiving Parade. Oh, wow. Okay. Thank you for being a much needed dose of love for the world. What was that outfit? That was coach. Had, I was. It was Thanksgiving Day Parade, so I was in a coach, like a uh, coat, like a big coach fur, faux fur. Yeah. Coat. And I had a little Stephen Jones, you know, fascinator hat, hat. on. <laughs> That sounds good, though. That does high. sound good. And and high, 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 high platform boots from Coach yeah. that season. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, we are talking with Billy Porter. You may have seen him as Pray Tell in the FX series Pose, which was amazing. You may have seen him on Broadway as uh, Lola in Kinky Boots. Now you can see him in person. He's on his Black Mona Lisa tour it's tonight in San Jose at the Center for Performing Arts, tomorrow at San Francisco's Golden Gate Theater. We've been taking your calls about what Billy Porter means to you or what moments of Billy Porter's career stand out for you. That is to say, the Billy Porter. You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. The email is forum at kqed.org. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're KQED Forum. This is a fundraising period for KQED Public Radio. For more information about how to support KQED, go to kqed.org. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Let's go to uh, back to the phone for one sec in here. Let's go to uh, Brett Lawrence in San Francisco. Hello? Hey, Brett. Are you there? Hey, I'm here. 
Go ahead. You're really? on the air. Yeah. Hey. Hey. I I just wanted to say hello. I don't know if you remember me, um, but uh, we worked together in the '90s, and I um, I want to say two things. You wrote Number one. You wrote "Borrowed Time" on my album. <laughs> yes. That I sang yes. in my concert. Um, I have a whole '90s section from that album, and I sing your song. In the concert, so you would want to get your bo- your booty down to the show <laughs> oh, and see. I didn't know. I didn't know you sang it in the concert. Okay, well, I'm, oh I definitely God. need to get myself down there then. Wait, is there is there like is there a bar you could sing for? Hey, lay lay, I'm living on borrowed time until I figure out a way to make you mine. Oh, baby, lately, I'm living on borrowed time. That's what Brett wrote. Oh, man. Hey, Brett. That's pretty good. Are you here in San Francisco now? You are killing it. (laughs) Are you here in San Francisco? Um, I am. I am in San Francisco. All right. Well, you better come to the show. I'll have two tickets for you at the box office (laughs) for you and whoever you want to bring. Uh, thank you, thank you. And backstage passes. What did you want to say, though? You just want to say I what's up. I just wanted to say I I am so I, I've got so much emotion. I'm so proud of you. I, I'm so happy for you. Like you know, all the success you've had, and and I know you know, kind of. I, I was not there at the beginning, but you know, I, I was there for he a was moment. There that for a was a lot of the trauma. He was there for it. You were there yeah. for the trauma, honey. You were there. I was. <laughs> I was. Yeah, I was. And uh, I'm just so, I just wanted to say I'm so happy for you. Thank and you. I, yeah, and you deserve it. You are so talented. And yeah, just wanted to say that. Thank you so <laughs> much. Well, Friday, two tickets. Box office will call credentials <laughs> for you. Oh. And I will see you after the show. We will, we will hook it up. We will make sure. I think of to- you often. Um, another color, a con in San Francisco. Welcome. Thank you very much. Um, I just wanted to say the Billy Porter, you are a force to be reckoned with, um, as a pan man with a two year old child who's very gender expressive. It's so nice to see you on the TV for a change. Thank you. (laughs) To see, to see how you express yourself. And I can't think of someone who would be more prouder than you than Mr. Jimmy Baldwin. Oh, and, uh, thank you. I heard some things on the grapevine. Yes. Uh, that I don't know how much you can say about it, but uh, it would be nice to hear about possibly your process or how you're preparing for this. Yeah. If anybody didn't know, for Billy pe- Porter will be playing the man Jimmy in the yes. bike. That's right. Thank I you am. so much, Con. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, talk to me. This is like a dream. Yes. This is a dream. Yes. I, uh... It's been announced I will be playing James Baldwin in the biopic, and I'm co-writing with my writing partner, Dan McCabe. We are on our second draft, um, and that's where we are. Um, You know, that draft has to be approved. Byron Allen um, is, I guess, the producer money man behind it <laughs> and um you know we, we just turned in our script before the 
we just turned in our second script before the writer strike that happened yesterday uh-huh. or two days ago. So yeah. yes, you know, it's still in process. It's still in development, and um, you know, when the writer strike is over, I guess we'll go and bake it. Can we also just say um, this may be where you get your Oscar? Just finish out the ego. Um, you know, I am. I thought open... we're supposed to speak it. I'm just I, saying. Yes, of you know, yeah. I'm. I am. A manifester. I also have a movie coming out this summer called Our Son um, that I star in with Luke Evans. And it's a... A second Oscar then, sorry. Well, (laughs) and it's a a child custody uh, divorce drama uh, with a... Centered on a interracial gay couple and our Mm eight-year-old child. Mm. You know, it's a drama. It's really good. We're 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 debuting at the Tribeca Film Festival, and I also wrote a song for that. So, you know, I'm I'm focusing on the work, <laughs> and I'm choosing really great material, yeah. and hopefully that will be in alignment with, you know, whatever comes with that. Yeah. Um, last comment before we go out to Shining Star from Cinderella. Sarah writes in to say. If you're able to fling your arms around Billy Porter Alexis, please do. My heart is exploding listening to him as someone of the same generation who is also a non-binary queer theater artist here in San Francisco. I can't even tell Billy all he has meant Mm. and continues to mean to all of us in your orbit. Love you, Billy. Thank you. We have been talking with Billy Porter. He's on his Black Mona Lisa tour Porter appears tonight at the San Jose Center for Performing Arts and tomorrow at San Francisco's Golden Gate Theater. Thank you so much for this morning. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Go get your tickets. Come on down and get a healing, babies. (laughs) Thank you all. Uh, I'm Alexis Magical. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening 
because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.